Good to see you guys tonight. Super stoked to be here. Glad you guys are here. Uh, First and foremost, if you do not have a Bible, please raise your hand. We'd love to get you one. If you do not own a Bible, feel free to keep it. It's our gift to you guys. But feel free to uh, snag a Bible. If you have your Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 11. We're still going through uh, Luke 11. We're going to do verses 29 to 36 tonight. So Luke 11, 29 to 36. Um, Again, thanks for being here, guys. I know that I say it every time, and I will most likely say it every time after this. Wednesdays are such a blessing. They're so good in the middle of the week. Carve out the time, stop the busyness, and dig into the Word with fellow believers. Amen? So we're super stoked you guys are here. Um, When you're there, say amen. Sweet. Before we jump in, we're going to pray, and then we'll dive into the Word. Father, you are mighty, you are perfect, you are the creator of all things, you are the Alpha and Omega. There is none greater than you, Father. There is no one, past, present, or future, worthy of our praise rather than you. You are merciful, you are gracious, Lord, and we come here tonight to just honor you through your word, Lord, to hear from you. Lord, to worship you. So, Father, I pray tonight that you would empty me of myself, Lord, and fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that this word, which we know is living and powerful, would seep into not only our brains, but into our hearts, and it would cause action. Father, we love you so much. Lord, thank you for dying for us. Lord, thank you that we have forgiveness of sins and that we can spend eternity with the creator of the universe. That's bonkers. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for tonight in your name. Amen. Sweet. So Luke 11, 29 to 36, David was able to hit a nice little recap, so I won't spend too much time doing that, but um, last week we talked about um, an unclean spirit returning. How when there's a demon possession, and the demon is cast out, the Lord needs to take residence. You're not just getting rid of something, you're also replacing that hole um, that was filled by the enemy with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit, or it will be seven times worse. It basically says, like, if that doesn't happen, um, the demon will come back with seven more terrible than he was and basically take residence back, even though that place was cleaned up and tidied, um, he'll come back and it will be worse. So that hole that was empty Demon was cast out and needs to be filled again with the Holy Spirit and with the Lord. Um, And then we saw the woman crying out basically, Hey, um, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. And basically, Mary prays, Mary worship. And Jesus says, Hey, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So he kind of shuts that down in a sense. The Mary worship, though she is to be admired, she's most honored among women, not above women. Um, But we got into that a little bit last week and left off at 29. So I'm going to read a couple verses and we'll we'll jump right in. Tonight, guys, there's going to be a a few, though I think basic, but vital and important truths for us tonight and vital and important reminders. Um, 
and we'll get to that here. So 29. And while crowds were thickly gathered together, he began to say, (laughs) This is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. So right off the bat, we see Jesus once again, as we have been seeing in the Gospels, pulling absolutely zero punches. (laughs) I was joking when we did the sound check earlier. I came in, and there were only a few of us in here. But I turned on the mic, we were doing the mic check, and I was like, what's up, you evil generation? Like, (laughs) that's not how I would get up here. You don't hear that at like a concert or a pep rally or a massive gathering on a Sunday at a megachurch. Pastor usually doesn't get up there and like, what's up, you wicked people, you evil generation? But brutal and amazing honesty here from the Lord. He basically, the crowd is thickly gathered together. They're just, we've seen that in the past Um, studies that we're going through in the gospel. I got to teach about it a couple Sundays ago. Um, The feeding of the 5,000, they were packed in. They're tightly close around Jesus. But even in this, Jesus was brutally but lovingly honest with these guys and says, hey, you are an evil generation, but why? It seeks a sign. For whatever reason, I told David this also. I feel like the last couple Wednesdays ago, the Bible college thing that I was able to share at, this one, it's all dealt with this is Israel and the people following Jesus. They weren't all Israelites um, seeking a sign. I was like, what's going on here? Like, why, why, why is this sign thing so prominent? But as I studied it out, I was super blessed just by where it, where it leads. And no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. Who remembers Jonah? Who grew up on Veggie Tales? Right here. Jonah was a prophet. That was me. <laughs> and so, but to my shame, I was like, you know what? I don't remember the last time I truly read through Jonah. So I went back and I checked out Jonah. And a few things obviously stood out. In the first verse here, or, or uh, in verse 30, the cross reference there is Jonah 1.17. talks about how Jonah was swallowed by the giant fish and was in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights. For us as believers, we don't have to be rocket scientists to understand the comparison that Jesus is making here. He says, you won't receive a sign, but one sign you will receive, the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. Now, they obviously knew what he would be talking about. The Pharisees, the religious bunch, they would know exactly what he's talking about. But there's a couple starch differences there. Jonah, if you guys remember, was unwilling to go. He wasn't into it. The Lord says, hey, you're going to go to Nineveh, and I have a message for you to relay. Jonah says, sweet, um, no. Hops on a boat and tries to go the opposite direction. But if you remember, Jonah hops on the boat, they set sail with some of the crew, and a storm arises on the seas that is super, super gnarly. And the men on the boat, they begin to cast lots, trying to figure out why why is this happening? There has to be a reason of this happening to us. So they're casting lots, and eventually those lots um, fell upon Jonah. 
And they say to Jonah, hey, what did you do to put us in this situation? Jonah comes clean and basically says to them, hey, to fix this, you're, you're going to have to toss me overboard. And, if it, and initially, the people on the boat were kind of hesitant to that, but they basically get to that and say, God, you see where we're at? Our hands are clean of this innocent blood. And they yeet, they yeet Jonah off the boat. After that, we all know the story. It's cool, actually, if you go back and read Jonah, it says that the Lord spoke to the giant fish. The giant fish, maybe a whale, swallows up Jonah, and he's in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights. And in the second chapter, I believe, Jonah has a repentant heart. And it says again that the Lord made the, vo- or made the fish vomit and spits Jonah up on the shore, and he goes to Nineveh with a message. But he's not stoked. It's not a loving, gentle, here you go. He basically says, 40 days to repent or you're smoked. And then bails. <laughs> 40 days, repent or you're smoked. And hikes up the hill, sets up shop to watch what the Lord's going to do with these people. But, or well, don't let, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. So the Lord says, hey, this is the sign you're going to receive. And again, I was kind of confused and wondering about why, why am I getting this sign thing so much so often? And I don't think that's necessarily something that I'm looking for in my life for the Lord to do something miraculous to save me from a situation or save my finances or, or whatever it is. But when I dug into those verses, as Jonah became assigned to the Ninevites, so the Son of Man will be to this generation I got to thinking, oh my goodness. These guys, they, they want a sign. And, and a couple Sundays ago, I got to talk about um, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus claims to be the bread of life. And Jesus makes an awesome, awesome statement here. Hey, you want a sign? It's me. He'll be, and I believe the, I forget the text, but it basically says that he'll be in the center of the earth. Like Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so our Lord was in the center of the earth for three days and three nights. Jonah was spat up on the shore and gave a bitter, hateful, (laughs) impatient message of repent or you're smoked. But when the Lord rose from the grave, it's still a message of repentance, but it's as him holding the keys to life and death. It's an open invitation. The veil was torn from top to bottom. And he says, look. Look at my scars. I love you. Come to me. All all you who are weary. And I love that, guys. I I don't know that many of us, and maybe you're in that situation again, and I've, like I said, talked about this a few weeks, but if you're in a position where you're looking for the Lord to do something radical, the Lord to give you a sign, if you will, Lord, would you just please fix my finances? If you do that, then I will recommit my life to you. I I will trust you in all these things. Lord, my marriage is on the rocks. Do something here. I need a sign from you. Lord, I'm struggling with This sin, this thing, it's nagging me and I can't get rid of it. Lord, I need a sign. Guys, 
Look no further than the empty tomb. These guys, they wanted to sign. They wanted to, be, they wanted to have their little ears tickled with what the Lord would do, something spectacular. And like the Lord is telling these guys there in that time, I believe he tells us the same thing here. Guys, hey, you need a sign that you can trust me, that I'm there for you, that I'm on your side, that I'm, I'm in your camp, that I'm fighting your battles. Look no further than the empty tomb. It was a promise kept by our Lord. It's easy to get stirred up and discouraged with the things going on around us. We can be dismantled by hard things. But I found that in my life, when I remember that the Lord kept his promise to us, it's not like Muhammad or Gandhi or any of these other spiritual avenues, the Lord kept his word. He rose. The grave is empty. The tomb is empty. It's a beautiful thing for us to understand that, Lord, if you love me that much to go to the cross and die and be buried and raised again for me, I know I can trust you when you say that you'll provide my needs. Lord, Because you did this, because the tomb is empty, I can trust that, Lord, when you say that if I confess my sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive me. Amen? It's an awesome, awesome thing. And again, maybe maybe it's not the same connotation as it was for these Pharisees for this group. They They wanted to have this sign so that they would believe as if signs do anything. Signs do not produce faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Amen? Even if we were given a sign, it's not a sure line to fruit. How many times has the Lord done something cool for you and given you a token, given you a sign? Hey, I am going to provide for you. I am going to help you here. And then the next time we're there, we, we freak out. We throw our hands up. We have the beautiful, beautiful reminder and sign that Jesus is for us when we remember that the tomb is empty, guys. Amen? We can trust him. We can put our faith and our hope in him. Amen? (coughs) Excuse me. A little water here. That's good stuff. So as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. The Queen of the South, verse 31, will rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. You guys don't have to go. If you want to, follow me over there. I'm going to 1 Kings chapter 10. But we're going to jump over there real quick. 1 Kings chapter 10 just to give a little context of what the Lord's talking about here. We're introduced to the Queen of Sheba. This is the middle of King Solomon's reign. If you remember, the Lord gave King Solomon what? Wisdom. The Queen of Sheba has heard about Solomon. She's going to check out if it's true. (coughs) Sorry, guys, excuse me. Ten verses. It's going to be quick. Now, when the Queen of Sheba 
heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. That's a big one. Concerning the name of the Lord. She came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue, with camels that bore spices, very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke to him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers, and his entryway by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Then she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes, and indeed the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. Happy are your men, and happy are those your servants who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Verse 9, Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore he made you king to do justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold, spices in great quantity, and precious stones. There never again came such an abundance of spices as the queen of Sheba gave to Solomon. So the Lord is saying here, hey, the queen of the south is going to rise up in the judgment against this generation. For she came to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. So what's the Lord saying? Hey, you Pharisees, you Jews aren't listening to what I'm saying. It's, fly, it's floating in, weir, in one ear and out the other. But the queen of the south will rise up in the judgment against you. This Gentile queen, this woman, heard of what the Lord was doing in Solomon and came to test him. But when she had heard the wisdom of Solomon and what the Lord had done for Solomon, she what? She turned to the Lord. She believed in the Lord. And a greater than Solomon is here. Who is that? It is the Lord. So he's saying to these guys, and it's pretty strict. They would understand. Hey, the queen of Sheba will rise up in the judgment and condemn you guys. She listened to Solomon, but you, you won't listen to me. Again, they wanted their ears tickled with a sign. They wanted, they wanted to poke and prod at what Jesus was saying, yet they didn't want to sit and listen to Jesus. It's a dangerous thing, I, I think, guys, when in this day and age we can talk about Jesus, we can talk about, we can, po- we can poke, we can prod, we can try to get through all the weird doctrines and theologies, yet we don't come to hear Jesus. That's what these guys were guilty of. I want to see a sign. I'm coming to church this Wednesday, I'm coming to church this Sunday because I better see something that will turn me to the faith. Yet you're missing it. You're not there to hear from Jesus. 32. Similarly, the men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. In the same vein, guys, remember, Jonah wasn't stoked to be there. Forty days or your toast. 40 days or you're clipped. And if somebody came up here and said that to us, we'd probably be like, what in the world? Oh, hey, Mr. Beal. 
classic. But those guys, the Lord is telling them, again, a Gentile crew. He's basically saying, hey, these guys responded to Jonah and they repented, but a greater than Jonah is here. I think we're also in this camp. You guys are in an awesome position. We have the full counsel of the Lord. But you guys have responded in faith to the word of God. Amen? These guys are in a position where they've, they've pushed and pushed and pushed away. They weren't hearing from the Lord. They wanted to hear what they could get from the Lord. And the Lord's basically telling them, hey, these guys, who they're not Pharisees, they're not Jews, they're not educated, they're going to condemn you. They are going to judge you because they repented when they heard of what God would do for them. And Jonah, it also says that they turned, they feared the Lord, and they believed the Lord. But a greater in, than Jonah, a greater than Solomon is here. Guys, the same thing is for us. A greater than Jonah is here, and a greater in, than Solomon is here. If the Lord is calling you to repent from something, may I urge you, repent. That's it. At least for that section. Guys, one, we have the greatest sign ever in the history of the world. There's an empty tomb, and we can trust what the Lord is telling us. We can lean on him. Two, respond in faith. If the Lord's calling you to repent or if the Lord's calling you to do something, respond in faith. Those two groups, the Queen of the South and the Ninevites, we're told they're going to rise up and judge these guys because of their faith. They listened without seeing, and they responded. We ought to do the same thing. 33, no one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, the whole body will be full of light as when the bright shining of a lamp gives you light. We're told here that the lamp of the body is the eye. That what goes in the eye affects the rest of the body. We live in one of the craziest generations and times in human history. At the touch of a button, we can have anything in front of our eyes. We can have any opinion, we can have any doctrine. We can have any wickedness before our eyes like that. This, to me, guys, was crazy practical because I've done it. I've lived it, and I know you have too. The Lord is giving a stern warning to people, hey, be careful what you look at. Be careful what you see. Men, those sights, be careful. 
It might not seem like much at the time, but it's darkness. Turn your eye away from it. Ladies that show, oh, but it's fun. It's, it's not that, it's, it's harmless. They're just, it's just The Bachelor. <laughs> just kidding, if you're a Bachelor here fans. Maybe not, maybe I'm not kidding. We need to be very, very mindful what we allow our, what we allow to go in front of our eyes. Amen? What a crazy time we live in, guys, but we have a stern but clear warning here. I know for me that this has had a major effect in my life, in my young life at this time. That even though I've been spirit-filled and a believer, when my eyes turn away, when, when my eyes drift over to the things I know that are wicked and wrong, the light that was there quickly is gone. The walls that I had set up that I thought would block me from these things are torn down. Next thing you know, my mind, my heart, my mouth, is spewing things that I'm just, I know are wicked and wrong. But it starts here. It starts with what we allow to enter into our eyes. You don't have to imagine too hard to find things that are wicked and wrong that we put in front of our eyes, guys. If this is a wake-up call, then praise the Lord. It should be. I know it's been for me. Absolutely. But on the adverse of that, guys, and in, and in chapters past, what did Jesus claim to be at the Feast of Tabernacles? You guys remember? I am the light of the world. Jesus claims to be the light of the world. The implication is obvious for us, and right, you guys are believers. I know you know this. But we need to be very careful of what we put in front of our eyes and where should our eyes be? Our eyes should be right here. In the Word. Spending time with the Lord. With the light of the world. If you're at the beach, guys, your eyes shouldn't be here. If it's going on, if it's gnarly, your eyes, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Lord, thank you for this beautiful sunny sky. Whatever it is. Ladies, if Bo's jogging the beach, Lord, thank you for this beautiful day. Father, how can I serve you? Lord, how can I be of service? We need to put the light in our eyes. If we do that, the whole body is light. If we allow darkness in, the whole body is darkness, guys. Again, I know simple truths. But this for me is, has been very, very impactful, very, very practical in the day and an age that we live in, guys. When we start our day, when we get going, our eyes should be on the cross, on our Jesus. Because the enemy knows, and it doesn't take much. We're easily distracted. We're easily swayed. Our eyes go from here. Oh, oh, that's fun. Oh, a new business venture. Oh. Lusting. Oh, I don't know. Whatever it is for you guys. I, I don't want to plug it in where it's not applicable, but you know. 
if I could encourage you again, guys, and I know I'm repeating myself, fill your lamp, your eyes, with righteousness, with the light. Amen? Man, it's a dangerous and slippery road. We try to manage it. It's not that bad. If the Lord's whispered to you, hey, you know I don't like that show. Hey, you, you know I don't like you here. You know that I don't like you looking at this. It may not be a problem for somebody else, but if the Lord's revealed it to your heart through his spirit, hey, we need to be responding to that. Amen? Man, he wants to have the light of him shine and shine brightly. Amen? We all know the people who are spirit-filled and full of light, they're not hard to miss. Man, I love those individuals. It doesn't take long. Man, light is shining and it shines so brightly. Adversely, if you're a Christian and your eyes are taking in darkness, are taking in wickedness, it doesn't take long for another spirit-filled to believer to point that out and say, hey, hey, what's up? You're not yourself. What's going on? They are not fooled and the Lord is not fooled. Man, if I could encourage you lastly as we close, would we keep our eyes on the cross, on the empty tomb, on the promises of the Lord, on our Savior and away from the darkness of the world, away from wickedness, guys? It's not impossible. The enemy will tell you that it is where it feels impossible. Lord, I, I just can't help it. Yes, you can, but it's not you. It's the Lord through his spirit working in you. We can't do this on our own. I know that I can't. I've, I've, I've seen the harm and the hurt that it does, and in my flesh, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do better. I'm, I'm going to get this straightened out. I know it's not right, so I'm going to man up. And I'm right there back on my face. But when I say, Lord, I need you to fill me with your light. I need the light of the world to dwell in me. Lord, to turn my eye, to change my will and my heart, to honor you with my eyes. It's not impossible. Seek the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray it up. Father, thank you so much for this evening, Lord. I pray that in faith we would trust your work on the cross. And Lord, that we would fill the lamp of our souls, our eyes, with light, with righteousness. Father, we love you so much. Lord, thank you that we don't have to do it on our own and that you don't ask us to do it on our own. Lord, you desire to dwell in us to lead us and to love us, Lord. So thank you that you don't send us out on our own, but Lord, you dwell in us. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for this day, or thank you for this night. Please get everybody home really safe. In your name, amen.